The following podcast contains spoilers and words like and gosh Mate, did we watch a thing this week? Yeah, we did. Hello, thank you for joining us. This is We Watched a Thing. Um, I'm delighted to be joined by Billy. Oh, mate, it's, it's good to be here. How, how are you doing? I'm okay, you know, living that pandemic life. Yeah, I know, right? I'm about as good as a man can be when they're locked in their house with their two small children. <laughs> So, uh, how's how's that working from home life going for you? Uh, one day down, and I've had enough of it. Tell me about it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we are locked down, so I guess just a heads up for everyone. That's going to affect our Lord of the Rings marathon, which we were meant to be doing this week. We were going to record it in three days' time. We really were, and it was going to be excellent. It was going to be so good. So, I mean, we've decided that we can't do that over Zoom or anything. So there might be a delay on that, <laughs> but I don't know. We'll, I guess we'll get to more at the end of this episode. How about that? Because what are we what are we talking about right now? We're talking about the greatest time you can have watching a movie. Would we? Um, which is Return of the Jedi. The greatest fun you can have watching a movie, without question, mate. We watched a very fun movie this week. I know because I picked it. <laughs> You're telling me that this is more fun. <laughs> Yeah, um, my opinion on this film hasn't changed since I was five years old. <laughs> this is the greatest. Yeah, um, we need to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> growing up, um, you know, in, in the age before, like, you could- e- Even when it got taped off the TV, the thing would go missing and I'd have stages in my life where I didn't have access to Return of the Jedi. Deeply upsetting to me. And so, every time I put this movie on as a child was like an event- like, truly, the opening crawl of this film did something to me, even beyond what A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back did. Um, there was one school holidays where I, my MO for that school holidays is that I would wake up and I would watch Return of the Jedi. I did that for an entire school holidays. And it was excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, we've spoken about this before. That this, I mean, obviously, we're doing it today because it's your favourite film of all time. Which means, obviously, you know, by variable that it's your favourite Star Wars film. Now, you've said before that you don't think it's the best Star Wars film, but it is your favourite. That is correct. Did you see this one first? Was this the first one you saw? No, I, well, well, I don't remember. I don't remember watching my first 20 viewings of these films. I don't remember. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm convinced my dad would have shown me them, these films in order. Like, sure. Yeah, right. Yeah. You see, because I have, like, the way you're talking about Jedi, that was me with A New Hope. Like, I have such vivid memories of just watching the trash compactor scene, like, on repeat. Even once I had access to all three, though, when, when, you know, when it came down to watching a Star Wars film, which I did an awful lot, I'd be like, which one should I watch? Which which one should I watch? Oh, yeah, Jedi. (laughs) (laughs) So, as stated several times in that sentence, we are talking about Return of the Jedi today. It's a 1983 American epic space opera film directed by Richard Markand and screenplay by Lawrence Kasdan and George Lucas. Uh, It stars, of course, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Billy D. Williams, Anthony Daniels, David Prowse, Kenny Baker, Peter Mayhew and Frank Oz. And what's it about, Toph? The Empire's up to no good. Um, They need to be stopped. (laughs) Uh, And Luke Skywalker, the last best hope. 
yes. for freedom um, is here to stop them. He sure is. Dressed all in black and shit. Yeah, shit is badass. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, let's rip in then. <laughs> so, this movie, it's kind of almost directed by Spielberg, although in, in another sense, absolutely never a shot in hell. Um, Spielberg, I think, would have directed this film for Lucas if Lucas hadn't had a spat with the Directors Guild and um, thrown his membership in the fire or something like that. So, because he couldn't hire anyone in the Guild, he winds up going not with Spielberg and with a Welsh director who was available. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's what that's what you want for an epic sequel to one of the biggest films of all time is is just some guy who's free. Right. That's how you want to do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's uh, I mean, famously, the film was turned down by David Lynch. Who wow. would then? Who that would, would be a very different film. <laughs> it, well, it, I mean, it, you'd think so. I mean, the very next year, Lynch makes Dune, um, which is famously awful, mm. um, but similar genre and yeah, you know, scope wise, I guess. But also, that was just not a good take yeah. on the material. Could could Lynch have done <laughs> this script? I have no idea. There's a part of me. There's a part of many people who like. You'd just love to know. You'd love to know what that film was. You know, that would that would be a fun thing to do. Like, you know, the new Marvel series, What If, where it was like, you know, what if this film had have been made by this person? <laughs> like, yeah. That'd be crazy. <laughs> because it changes his entire trajectory if Lynch does this. Because, like, he showed in June that he can just do a script. Um, with that film, it wasn't a good script. Now, <laughs> Jedi- the story's by Lucas. The script isn't by Lucas, which is a good thing because, yeah. you know, we've seen, we've seen that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sand is coarse and it gets everywhere. <laughs> is this- Do you think that um, with, with how the story does go for Return of the Jedi, is it the modern blueprint for we're making another one? What do we do? I know. Go bigger. Yeah. I, yeah, definitely. And it's so funny because Empire didn't really do that at all. Empire set the, you know, the now common notion that the middle part of a trilogy is where the story deepens and gets darker. And But, yeah, and then this goes straight back into standard sequel territory where it's like, you know what? It's the first one, but, but bigger. <laughs> there's there's <Yeah>. more shit. <laughs> you know, people like them puppets. Now we'll have a fucking army of puppets. <laughs> It probably is better served for having that cushion of Empire. Like, it's more oh, definitely when yeah. you're not just going- If you went straight A New Hope into Return of the Jedi, I think it's more jarring to be like, <laughs> another Death Star? Yeah, really? defi <laughs> definitely, definitely. And look, I, I I don't love this movie as much as you do, <laughs> but this is this is a fun time for sure. But I do wonder how much of that is just the, like- the Star Wars-ness of it. You know, obviously not to the same extent as the reason Force Awakens was fun. But it's like, uh, when you take this movie at face value and you look at the script and you look at the production, it's not its not a good movie. <laughs> like, uh, Incorrect. It fucking rules. <laughs> Watching it this last time, and I was like, all right, you know, let's- Maybe we can drill down a bit onto the hold that this film still has on me. 
Um, and I'm sitting there watching it. And I'm like, you know what? This movie's a blast. It, like, it's definitely, it's definitely fun. And like, it's Star Wars. Yes, that's all it is. There's people like you and I who are unhinged about it. Yeah, and sometimes lose our grip on the fact that it's just fun. Yes, yes. And here's the thing. Not only is this Star Wars, I would argue that this might be the most Star Wars. Like, this is certainly, I think, the most fun of any Star Wars. And this is the one that easily most embraces the kind of family aspect of of what Star Wars is. You know, like, when watching this, it wasn't until, like, the very end when the Emperor came out with his lightning bolts. Up until that point- because it'd been a while. Well, actually, it hadn't. I watched it last year. But I was like, I wonder if my seven-year-old is ready for this yet. You know, I was almost thinking maybe we could show her Star Wars. She's ready. You reckon? Yep. Yeah, because I was, I was like five when I first saw all of them. But, you know, she tends to get a little bit scared. <laughs> well, I used to um, I used to put my hands over my eyes for the Rancor. Yeah? Yeah, I was not into the Rancor one bit. <laughs> I mean, we've spoken think, about it. This fucking scared me. We've spoken about it before, but our copy of The Princess Bride had the entire rodent scene cut out. <laughs> I did not know that was a scene until much later because my parents taped over it. <laughs> <laughs> this film still has what, what a lot of Star Wars films do, and that is just lays this fertile ground for what is now called- Star Wars Legends, what used to be the kind of extended canon. Yeah. Um, by just laying a bunch of cool but reasonably unexplained shit. Yeah. Like Jabba's Palace. What? Like, what is that? I have no idea. I think I'm sure that there was a point in time where I knew because I had delved into every fucking thing that was ever printed. But it was a long time ago and I've drunk a lot since then. <laughs> um, there's there, I, I still like that about this film, that it's- it's happy to not fill in every shape that it that it decides to give you doesn't need to be completely filled in. It's not to say it's a mysterious film. Yeah, yeah. But it's so it's still happy just creating this universe, letting the characters live in it, and yeah. not having to make sure you know absolutely everything while still being just a big dumb film. Yeah. I'll definitely agree with that. Yeah. First question that needs to be asked, because this is one of the original Star Wars films, and as the entire world knows, Han shot first. <laughs> but there are so many versions now and changes. What version of this film did you watch? Let me ask you this. Who was the force ghost of Anakin at the end? <laughs> so, I watched this on Disney+. Plus. First time I've watched it on that platform, um, where, of course, you get Hayden Christensen. Of course, yeah. At the end. Um, you also get- you know, a difference from the film I first fell in love with is- <laughs> Ristol Sand. Is that you had- um, Yeah, look, you had a, a quite different song <laughs> happening in Jabba's Palace before before Ula cops it down in the Rancor pit. Yeah. Um, you just had- um, Who's the blue elephant? Is it is Bib Fortuna the blue elephant? No, mate, mate. That's Max Rebo. Oh, I've got a I've got a fun story about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So watched this with my wife last night. Who you know she's I think she's seen all of them at this point, but she's not. She's not us. You know, she's not a Star Wars nut. Um, I can't remember where this book came from though. It might have even been you a long time ago when my first daughter was born. One of our friends got us this 
you know, colours Star Wars book. So, you know, it's like your ABC, but it's your colours. So, it's like, you know, Yoda is green. <laughs> the Millennium Falcon is grey and fast. <laughs> it's become a my- sick book. It's become my daughter's favourite book. Brie is fucking obsessed with it. Never seen a lick of- She started watching the Clone Wars series just because she's like, I want Star Wars. I want Yoda. <laughs> but so, that is like- my wife felt so proud of herself. She felt so nerdy. She was like, oh, there's Max Rebo. He's blue. <laughs> I can't believe I've been out Star Wars by Noosk. Yeah. Yep. So, ah, Ristel Sant is pink. <laughs> she was very proud of herself the whole film. Um, yes, that song is appalling. It's Oh, it's so shitty. Just and not very, only just is the song bad. shitty, the whole sequence is bad like you know what's really really funny about this version of the film right now not to bang on about my favorite film um the remastered version of this that we watched came out four years after jurassic park the cgi in this looks so much worse like it's so funny all of the practical effects from 83 look so much better than all of the new elements do and it's like, why'd you do that, George? Like, what, what, are you, what are you playing at here? You know? And unlike Jurassic Park, a lot of it's not hidden in rain and things like that. You've just you've got yeah. Sarlacc now has a, a digital beak in glaring sunshine. There's nothing to hide the fact that it's 90 CGI when everything else around it is like model work and puppets. How much worse does the Sarlacc look than both Jabba and Yoda? Like, re-watching this, I was like, wow, the, the costume work and the puppet work is actually phenomenal. Like, I'm I'm a big Kermit the Frog fan, right? Like, I think he's I think he's a leader that we can all aspire to. Like, I really enjoy Kermit and his gang of puppets, right? But there is something about the facial features and expressions that they can get into both Jabba and Yoda here. Like, Yoda is actually a very expressive puppet, and you can't see any join lines or anything. It's really- insane stuff yeah i mean how many people did it take to maneuver jabba at any given time it was like nine people or something oh yeah, uh, yeah. i think weighed like the, it was like the weight of a car basically the thing was huge but like when he when he does that slow blink and he you can just see that he's eaten too many donuts you know like i've done that slow blink a million times in my life <laughs> it's it's just it's uncanny <laughs> do, do have a question about the folk that populate Jabba's palace. Yeah. How, like, when, when Leia first walks in- Sorry, no, when she- The f- second time she's walked in at night when she's going to unfreeze Han. Yeah. And there's people just kind of sprawled about, passed out on on the floor. Yeah. And it's yeah. not carpeted. It's just cold, hard floor. How hammered is every single person getting every single night in Jabba's palace to just fall asleep like that? Very hammered. That place is an absolute cesspit. Oh, mate, if you took a blacklight in there, you'd be shocked. <laughs> I think of Jabba's Palace a little bit like old, like Caligula times, you know? Like, there must just be constant orgies and stuff going on in there. Like, yeah, they, those people have no idea what's going on. Mm. I'll, give, I'll give Jabba's Palace that whole sequence kind of props for the fact that Return of the Jedi is not as good a looking film as Empire Strikes Back, which is actually yep. a shockingly good looking film. It is. I think it gets- I think the cinematography of Empire probably hasn't really had its due over yeah. over its lifetime. It is a stunningly well-shot film. I don't think Jedi is a bad-looking film. 
but it's certainly not Empire. Um, but Jabba's Palace is a pretty cool-looking chunk of the film. Little kind of pools of light just highlight the background and stuff. It's not just this big, you know, front-lit, blaring yeah. lighting style. So while I think it's not the strongest Star Wars film look-wise, it's not a shabby-looking film still looking back on it. No, not at all. And that, to me, has always been one of the, the best features of the Star Wars film is the- the set and the world building that happens. And that, to me, is why the back half of this film is a bit weaker, because I agree with you. I think Jabba's Palace, you know, for all of its flaws, particularly with the special edition release, yeah, I think it's a really cool piece of design and a really cool piece of world building. Like you say, there's things to kind of think about there, you know, like what is actually going on here? Like, I did once find out reading Tales from Jabba's Palace, but yeah. I can't remember that much of it. And and I think that's why the Endor sequence to me feels weak, because at the end of the day, it is just a forest. You know, and I think, yeah, you can say that, well, Hoth is just snow, but there's still something very cinematic about the look of that sequence. I don't know if you remember this, but I, I said before that I watched this only last year. You and I took an outing to the cinemas in, must have been September last year, when they were showing all of them, and we went to Empire. And the next week, I went back and saw Jedi because I was like, well, why wouldn't I? <laughs> and um, particularly on the big screen, I really felt the difference between the look of the two. You know, mm. it's not just the sets. It's the, it's the lighting and the way that the, the shots are framed. It's Again, this isn't a bad looking film. It's just a little bit disappointing after what's come previous. Weird thing about this film, it's- just coming up on 20 minutes before you see the faces of Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher. Yeah. It's twenty. It's 22 minutes before Luke comes into the film other than the hologram. Yeah. That's a really long time. It really is. Yeah. C-3PO and R2 carry the-, the fir- They're the characters who kind of feed the story to us for this first 20 minutes. Which George probably would argue has always been the case. Well, yeah. I think there's probably something to be said. He loves those guys. Honestly- I think there's probably something to be said that Star Wars is C-3PO's story. The slave who became a something. I don't mind the idea of looking at stories from those kind of perspectives and seeing like, okay, well, who's the actual through line here? And honestly, a lot of it is C-3PO, which is a ballsy move because 3PO fucking sucks. 3PO sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, with how long we are without the big three in this film, it does kind of add further fuel to the idea that the Star Wars trilogy, certainly at least the original Star Wars trilogy, and maybe even the whole thing, maybe all nine, is actually R2-D2 retelling it. Yeah, okay. I buy that. I like that. And that actually then you can unpack that a bit further and be like, in the prequels- when he started, like, flying and fucking torching battle droids. Yeah. Absolute garbage. Yeah, completely unreliable narrator. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Didn't actually happen that way, but R2 was like, get this. <laughs> then I fucking flew up in the air and set this dude on fire. <laughs> I love fan theories like that. It's like, have you heard the one- Have you ever watched Ferris Bueller's Day Off from the perspective- that Ferris is completely made up and the whole film is just like Cameron, you know, like it's so much fun to do that. <laughs> Speaking of Luke's entrance into the film, I actually love that because in terms of screen time, we're not far removed from 
the big reveal at the end of Empire. Yeah. And so to then bring him in as this black silhouette. Yeah. I reckon the first six times I watched this film as a little kid, I got tricked and thought Darth Vader had turned up. But it's not the father, it's the son, which is actually kind of a, it's actually a cool little cinematic trick. Oh, definitely. Black Suit Luke is easily the best Luke for me. And, it, you know. Oh, no question. Star Wars is essentially a Western film. Thanks, bro. It's a space Western. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, much like Logan. It's <laughs> but, it, but it is essentially many of the tropes of a Western film. And one of those big tropes is the good guys wear white, the bad guys wear black. And so to have him kind of flip that on its head as that kind of nod to, well, that's my father and I can't hurt him. I think it's really, really cool. Yeah, I think all through this film, there's a good, there's a good um, unrealized, I will say unrealized, scattering of expanding the mythos yeah. of Star Wars. Now, it's not like we dive into the headspace of Luke where he, he knows the difference between right and wrong, maybe as much as anyone in the galaxy, um, as certainly as described by Mark Hamill anyway. But like you said, he now has this thing over him where, like, the most evil person in the galaxy, basically, is his dad. And as, like, so especially, like, as a kid, when it's not like you want this thing to go into a big think piece about it. You just want lightsaber fights and, and ships flying, which is yeah. what the film is, of course. But there's just enough of it to make you kind of think that you're watching something cerebral. Yeah. 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 But at least may but also maybe it did kind of plant something there about that movies can be more than just the sword fights. Yeah. Yeah, it's so it's so funny that you say that. Like I almost had the opposite thought to that watching these last night because in my older years I have gotten so much more into you know like I'm I like to fancy myself a bit of a writer. And so that's what I kind of focus on is like the screenplay and, and the drama and the emotion of film. And it is watching these two movies back to back the last two nights has made me remember how much fun it is to just watch a movie for the fun of it. Like that is just pure fun and joyful. It was actually a really nice experience for me to do that. Because I feel like I've gotten a little bit curmudgeon in my old years where I'm like, oh, you know, well, this film didn't really say much or didn't, you know, it didn't. What what was it trying to do? And, yeah, it was actually really nice for me. One thing that, like, speaking of watching a movie for the joy of it, like, I can't believe this is true, but it, it, it is true. I still just have joy in my heart the first time Luke ignites the green lightsaber. And- you remember in the lead up to, like, before we had Force Awakens, but we knew it was coming. And there was this whole thing about, are we going to see Luke with Anakin's lightsaber again? Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, it kind of almost happened. And so, leading into Last Jedi, are we finally going to get it? Yeah. For me, I was never interested in that. I was like, I don't care if Luke picks up Anakin's lightsaber or not. I want to see Luke ignite his lightsaber. Yeah, For right. me, the green is my lightsaber. Yeah. I'm sick for it. I'm yeah. still sick for it. And it's embarrassing, but it's true. <laughs> very, very cool scene. Did he need to do the flippy thing on the plank? Or was that just for show? I kind of didn't. I didn't think that that was a necessary part of the sequence. 
there might have been a bit of showmanship there from Luke. <laughs> like, I, I was, yeah, like just do a backflip. He didn't. Did he even need to flip? Couldn't he just turn around? <laughs> Couldn't he literally just turn his feet ninety degrees and grab the lightsaber? I just there's no. I mean, the good thing flip. about the flip is that if you catch it in midair, well, it's you're out of you're out of reach. Firstly, yeah, it's sick. <laughs> Secondly, <laughs> you're out of reach when you first get it. So that as soon as you're back on your feet, you're as deadly as Steven Seagal. <laughs> the best parts of this movie to me are Han and Leia. The scene where she breaks him out of the carbonite and you don't know who it is and then she takes her helmet off is so fucking boss that I was cheering inside. For me, my favourite sequence of the film. I think that was another thing when, that when I was a really little and the first few times I watched it, that was another thing that I would forget. Yeah, yeah. And so, I, I think several times I got to experience. Yeah. Oh, my God, who is this person? What, why do they want Han? Are they just going to kill him? What's going on? But it's the first, I, I don't know, I, maybe I need to rethink about the previous films. But, you know, certainly in A New Hope, she's much more fitting that damsel in distress trope. And she's elevated above that. But to me, this this is when you're really like, oh, yeah, Leia's, Leia's a fucking badass. Oh, know? I think Leia's always been a boss. Like, literally, when she first gets busted out of prison in A New Hope, she, in the end, just picks up the gun herself and is like, you guys are fucking useless. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm taking over. That's that's true. Yeah. It's good to see it because there are so few women in these films. I think there's there's a total of four or five women in this film and she's the only one really with more than like two minutes of screen yeah, time. Yeah, it's like Mon Mothma says several lines. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, her doing that awesome breaking amount of stuff almost makes up for the rampant sexism of her in the gold bikini mere shots later. Apparently, I don't know if this is true, but apparently- she in the lead up to this film, she had said to George, "I'm sick of wearing the sacks you have layering. Could we have something that makes it clear that she's a woman?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they they might have overcorrected. Well, it's it's an interesting thing, you know. I think there is a real balance to be found, and this is, you know, I'm a massive John Carter fan. <laughs> um, this is a direct throw and rip off to Deja Torres, who in the book is actually. Naked, completely naked, but obviously in any illustrations and cover art, they can't do that. So, what they went with was a gold bikini. And it looks very, very similar in most renditions to what Leia's wearing. Right. Deja Torres is another one. She's a, she's a warrior. So, I kind of- I get the sentiment there. I just think it's kind of- it's the final- because she's a literal slave at the time, there's something that's just- it's, it's it's off, you know. It's tough. It's tough it's, stuff. It's, yeah, like it's funny. Mere days before this, just by coincidence, because we're in a lockdown, what else are you going to do but binge friends? We watched the episode where Ross admits to having the fantasy about Leia in the gold bikini. And it's a little bit like, well, I mean, yeah, obviously. <laughs> but at the same time, you feel a bit scummy about it because it's not right. <laughs> do, you, do you know what else happens on, on Tatooine as well as- the gold bikini and the first look at the green lightsaber, the greatest lightsaber that there is in all of Star Wars. Um, Boba Fett goes down like an absolute chump, which is fine because, you know, the dirty secret about Boba Fett, kind of a crap character. Okay. What I've literally written is, what's the deal with Boba Fett? Are you a part of that weird fandom? I have never known. Well, I, I, I know what it is. He looks fucking sick. It's about the costume, but he's in about, what, six minutes of this film. And from memory, this is the only one he appears in, right? They mentioned him in Empire, I think. No, he's in Empire. He is in Empire? Yeah. 
Right towards the end, because he's the one who, yeah. Well, he's part of that initial posse of bounty hunters that Vader sets off after Han. Oh, yeah, but we're talking mere seconds. Yeah, that's that's quick, because Vader's like, no disintegrations. Yeah. That's who, and that's who he's talking to. And then Boba Fett floats out with the junk along with Han, because, like, he's in his head. Yeah. And And it's Boba Fett that follows him to- that's Cloud right, City, yes, which is like correct, the one yeah. cool thing that he does. Yeah. Because then he just leaves it to Vader. Yeah, I've never understood it apart from literally the costume is is it. And I, honestly, I think there's a lot to be said for the fact that he doesn't speak as well. Well, he used to speak a bit less. <laughs> well, yeah. Now he talks like a Kiwi. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty dumb. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, no offense to Kiwis. It's not that, it's not that you guys are dumb. It's just pretty dumb. Anyway, Boba Fett's not not actually very cool, and it's fine that he goes down like a chump. Nice little bit of um, set design or set population as as story slash character when we first meet the Emperor, and he turns up in the same landing bay that Vader turned up, and we saw the crowd that was there to greet Vader, and we know the importance of Vader. Yeah. And then we meet the Emperor, and we know just from the amount of people there. We're like, holy shit, this guy's a big deal. Yeah. And it turns out that it's Ian McDermott just just chewing up that scenery, just absolutely going for it. I fucking love Palpatine. Same. Honest, honestly, <laughs> I think I'm I'm going to be real here. By the end of this movie, Palpatine trumps Vader as best villain. Like, well, I suppose that's that's the point. He's the big bad. He he is the big bad. He is, and I think that that's actually handled. Really, really well. That's something that I genuinely, even grown up me, is like this film does Palpatine very well. It really, it really. You don't does. get him for long. It needs to. You need to get across very quickly that actually the guy who you've been scared of this whole time, yeah, is not the end boss. Yes, and that's I think exactly it does right. it sensationally. Yeah, Ian it- McDermott is so good. He really he, he is. And like, yes, he chews the scenery. Oh, he's but, yeah, going for it. As was the style at the time. <laughs> you know, like, that's what bad guys did. And quite honestly, that's what most bad guys still do. Like, you watch 90% of MCU films. Being a bad guy is about chewing scenery. <laughs> it's hilarious that at the end of the trilogy, you know, let's just put ourselves in the, in the space where there was just- the trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, simpler times. We get to the end of that trilogy. The big boss has been defeated. Nowadays, people go ballistic if they don't know everything about Snoke, for instance, uh. before he died. And it seems like there's a stunning detachment there from the reality that these films you treasured growing up. You didn't- Not only did you not know much about the Emperor- Yeah. You didn't know his name. Yeah. Yeah. You had to be a spectacular nerd when we were growing up to actually know that the Emperor's name was Palpatine. Yep. Didn't matter. There is something about having an audience member lean in. You know, not spoon feeding them everything, but making them kind of piece breadcrumbs together and- and even, not even piecing them together. Sometimes it just doesn't matter. Sometimes you don't even need to put them together because that's not the point. <laughs> I tell you what I didn't need. I didn't need Palpatine to come back in episode nine. I know that's oh. not what we're discussing right now, but just while we're chatting, Palpatine. Oh, it's, 
how, how many times have you seen Rise of Skywalker since we first saw it and we recorded our episode on it? None. I haven't rewatched it since, and I won't. <laughs> <laughs> so I've watched it at least one more time, maybe two. With with those subsequent viewings, I've always been like, you and I were too kind to that film in our not that we gave it a glowing. <laughs> recommendation no, yeah. by any stretch, but we were too kind on it. Just yeah, nah on Palpatine in Rise of Skywalker and yeah, nah to a lot of Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. And I, th- I think that yeah, nah is kind of like the general consensus. That's probably what the critics consensus says on Rotten Tomatoes at the moment. You know, critics consensus, yeah, nah. Yeah, nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> nah, yeah, nah. <laughs> I tell you what is good, though. You've touched on it, but I also want to shout out the human element. Mark Hamill sells the scene with Yoda in this film oh. actually really well. I think it's I think Hamill is actually really good in Last Jedi, but outside of Last Jedi, I think this is his best work as Luke. I think people unfairly sling a lot of shit onto Hamill when I think a lot of it is the trajectory of the character. And it's it's an archetype, it's a trope. He's he's Harry Potter. He's the exact same character. And I think that he actually does that quite well. It it's can't be an easy thing to play this character who virtually has no traits. Let's be honest. Like he this isn't the kind of screenplay where you could pick it up as an actor and go, oh, "Okay, I know who I am." Like reading this I know what this character's feeling and what this character's thinking. It would be very hard to play this character not one note, I think. And I actually think people sling a bit of unfair shit on him. Yeah, he's acting against a puppet, and it's pretty, actually legitimately pretty well done. That that scene is helped enormously by the work of John Williams. Yeah, um, oh, as is the whole which, film. Yeah, like it's- You don't have to say it because saying that John Williams' score for Star Wars is good is- like saying the sky is blue. Yeah. But also sometimes it's worth just taking a second to realise how fucking good it is. I think that's part of the thing with John Williams. It's easy to just forget about them a little bit. I think people forget just how fucking good these scores are. You're, you're around them so much. You hear them so much. They're appropriated for other things. That yeah. They're just, they're just this part of the culture. And it's not just the theme, you know? Like, this isn't Jaws where the recognisable part is the- It's like two notes, yeah. Like, you could listen to- I reckon you could listen to 10 seconds of just about any sample of this score and and you would go, oh, wow, that's Star Wars. You know, like, you think of Leia's love theme. You think of the Imperial March. Like, it is every single second of this score is pitch perfect. It's not like the entire thing is just- all right, copy paste from the first two films. No, like yeah. This this individual score again is truly exceptional stuff. The stuff in like in Yoda's death scene that I just mentioned, all the stuff around the Emperor in the the Death Star's throne room. The the, the stuff around Endor and the Ewoks. Like, yeah, absolutely. Mentioned like, okay, we, we've touched on the fact that special edition, yeah, for many of us, not what you want. Um one one thing that maybe that like arguably the good thing about growing up with a film on VHS is that the lesser quality of it can actually cover up some of the cracks, um, particularly as a film ages. And 
I think there's an argument to be made that actually the worst special effect in this film is General Maydean's beard, which is clearly <laughs> fake. <laughs> but I never realised until it was in glorious high definition. I was like, what the fuck is on this guy's face? I couldn't take that guy seriously if I was if I was getting ready to attack the second Death Star, the bigger, badder Death Star. And that guy's talking at me? <laughs> Come on. Moving on to Endor, if I can, Billy. You can. You absolutely can. This is, I mean, it's our show. We can do whatever the fuck we want. <laughs> One little small detail that I, an underappreciated detail of this film is the fact that it is the forest moon of Endor. Yeah. It could have just been the forest planet of Endor. Yes. But the fact that it's the forest moon of Endor just added this other little something just another little thing that just sparked little us's oh, imagination. Yeah, huge imagination. Well, and, well, yeah, because it it takes you completely out of our universe. You know, like, we know there are other planets, and we know that many of these planets have different, you know, aspects. Like, obviously, we don't have a forest planet. Yeah. Earth is and in the, the Star only Wars one Galaxy, freakishly, all planets have one climate. But- well, yes, <laughs> yes, but yeah, like we we have one moon. We've grown up with one moon. And we think of it as a big dusty rock. So the idea of a forest moon, there is something so magical about that. How much did you want a speeder bike as a kid? Oh, f- so, so cool. good. So, so cool. Good. Right, would you rather have a speeder bike or a Tron light cycle? Speeder bike. Same, same. Absolutely. It is so cool. Great sequence. It is a great sequence. Best sequence on Endor for me. When- Craftily done with a. With a steady cam taking one frame per second as a guy walked through the Californian forest. Is that a true fact? That view you get from the front of the speeder bike? Yeah, that's yeah. That's how he did it. Interesting. Dude must have walked a fucking long way just quietly. That's pretty cool. When do you reckon it was? Like, I mean, we were kids when we knew that Ewoks were called Ewoks, right? Yeah. So how did we know that? Because one of the, like, fun fact about this film that I didn't know for a long time is that at no point in Return of the Jedi is the name Ewok used. Wow. I didn't even pick that up rewatching it last night. <laughs> but, the, I mean, maybe it's just- uh, is this Caravan- is the- Do they say it in Caravan of Courage? Yeah, but not everybody's seen that. Like, this is the thing. Like, not- I mean, people who aren't giant nerds like us know that- Like, uh, I was the kind of kid who knew that, um, you know, Chewbacca was from the planet Kashyyyk. <laughs> Exactly. Like, like, so I don't expect everyone to be at that level. But I, I don't know. Wow, that's crazy to me. Yeah. I mean, it must be just in, like, the marketing and stuff. And certainly by the time you and I saw this film, like, it it was aged already. Like, the film came out before both of us were born or the year it that you were born. It came out two months after I was born. Yeah. So by the time we were seeing it- May, I guess maybe our parents told us, <laughs> but mm. how how did they know? <laughs> it's one of those things. That's fascinating to me. And again, that's just an example of, you know, the film doesn't need to tell you every detail. It's fine. They're these little creatures. That's all you need to know. So you mentioned Wookiees. Um, not a secret anymore that the original idea was that the forest moon of Endor was populated with Wookiees. Yeah. Um, which makes a lot of sense. Um, fierce warriors. Maybe you get a nice scene where 
Chewie sees some people he knows that's not the Christmas special. Yeah, I was going to say, like there's, maybe, there's, maybe it's there's, Life Day when they it get It could there. be Life Day. <laughs> lot to be said for the moon of Endor being either the home, home pad of Wookiees or just where a bunch of them are currently chilling. Um, not what happened. Um, so let's talk about Ewoks. Yeah, okay. much, much derided critters that they are. Yeah, w- where are you on Ewoks? Look, I don't love them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't love the Ewoks. Like I said, even as even as a kid, I was always much more about the human element. You know, like to me, as I said, my biggest cheer moment of the film was Leia and Han. I don't. I don't need teddy bears here. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> you know, and what makes Yoda so special is the the human elements of him. The Ewoks just kind of, I don't know, man. They run around. They hit things with sticks. Why you know, do you they, hate they, Warwick they, Davis? They threaten What's to going on? I just, It just doesn't. I, I love Warwick Davis. Willow, fucking classic. <laughs> Can't believe we've never done Willow. Come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Ewoks don't do it for me. You obviously love them. I'm pro Ewok, man. I know like, you are. <laughs> sh- like, should it have been Wookiees? Of course it should. Yeah. But it's not. This is what we've got, and I'm here for it. And here's what I don't get. In this world we live in, where some people consider you an absolute freak if you're not a dog person, <laughs> how is everyone not pro Ewok? Ewoks are just dogs that give you hugs and can kill stormtroopers. Oh, I mean, anything can kill a stormtrooper. That well, armor does fuck all. That's like, fair. In this film, they literally die by having rocks thrown at them. It's like, mate, what the fuck is your armor doing? Yeah. Um, I did have that note that it's remarkable that they could beat stormtroopers until you think about it for a second. And you're like, oh, no, yeah, they probably could beat yeah, stormtroopers. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't hate the Ewoks. For me, there's 20 minutes of too much Ewok in this film. I think if you paired it back, I'd be all right with it, you know? Yub, yub, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Go Ewok. All right. Who would win a fight? Yeah. Wicked. One Ewok, not yep. Wicked, just random run-of-the-mill Ewok, Baby Yoda. What are you even talking about? Who's winning? Grogu fucking destroys him. Yeah? Does he, he- eat it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That'd be fucking sick to see. Man, I hope that happens in the next season. <laughs> that would actually be great. That would actually be great. It's like a 40-minute sequence of the child just ripping into an Ewok. That would be amazing. Just fur stuck in his teeth. <laughs> Can you imagine? So, like, while we're on um, the Forest Moon of Endor is where Luke meets Vader for the first time in this film. Yeah. Th- there are stormtroopers present. They've, they haven't been killed by Ewoks yet, these guys. Um, yep. There are stormtroopers present as Luke references Vader being his father. Can you imagine just gossip spreading like wildfire through the stormtrooper ranks? They're like, guys, the big fucking scary dude. He's got a dick. <laughs> yeah. He's got not yet. Yeah. Vader fucks. Yeah, that yeah, I know I never thought about that before. I wonder how far like how far across the galaxy did that news get? Even in the time, like, we've still got- I don't, I don't know how long it takes from then until the destruction of the Death Star. Let's say it's 18 hours. Yeah, at least a couple of hours. Like, you're talking a half a yeah. day, I'd say. Well, yeah, because it's night time. Well, I mean, okay. Well, we could really get into it and say moves. we don't yeah. know what the movement of the forest moon of Endor is in <laughs> yeah. regards to its star and blah, blah, blah. Well, that's right. And but it's, it's night time when this conversation happens. Yeah. The Death Star is blown up in the daytime. So, it's, it's a while. Um, I think the whole galaxy at this point knows- 
Someone posted on Galactic Facebook. The Galactic Facebook. It's cleaner. <laughs> ah, thank you. <laughs> um, uh, well, okay. On that revelation, and while we're talking about it, you're a sick nerd. Everybody knows this, that you're just a big old giant nerd who read, you know, the canon and everything. I read them all. What do you make on the inconsistencies when Luke is revealing to Leia and, and she's talking about remembering her mother? Mm. What do you make on, on that? Do you think that she's remembering a surrogate mother, maybe Padme's handmaiden or something? Or, or do you think this is just bullshit and, and George has just lost his way? So, apparently, the, there was an idea early on that that Padme, who we didn't know was Padme at the time, yeah. had stayed on as her, maybe, like, her, maybe her nanny or something like that. Yeah. And then actually had died when she was, like, three or four years old of of the sad- died, died of the sadness, um, as she did. Um, what I think happened is that George fucked up completely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As he is wont to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I don't care. I'm rich. I mean, dude loved a fucking recon, didn't he? I, I like the other thing that blows my mind is when Luke tells Leia, "I think I've always known. I've always known." I was Why like, really? the fuck did, did you know when you kissed? <laughs> what was that about, mate? <laughs> you mustn't kiss your sibling that way. Don't do it. I I don't know about you. I don't even do the peck on the cheek with my siblings. Like they're they're my siblings. They they get they get the one arm hug, <laughs> the little tap on the back. Like I'm I'm not kissing them. Okay, fun question. Yeah. Does Batman exist in the Star Wars galaxy? Because one of the rebel pilots has on his helmet No. What very much looks like the bat symbol. Really? It's one of the- This would have been before Batman was big, because Batman didn't get real big till 89, of course, with with the film. I reckon it's a Y-Wing pilot. He's got fucking Batman on his helmet. Wow. Didn't notice that. It's there. Next time you watch it- Right. You're going to enjoy that. Okay. I will. (laughs) You know what I really, really love, and I'm so glad they didn't replace this in the special edition- you know that I'm a Harryhausen fan. I'm such a fan of stop motion. The at-ats. Do you say at-at or at I say at and I don't care that it's been confirmed that it should be at-at because it sounds dumb. <laughs> I'm saying at Okay, you know, you know what else? It's an ATST. It's not at-st. Fuck, you got him, mate. You got him. <laughs> I've got him by the hairy you ones. fucking got him. <laughs> Uh, I, I love the ad-ats in this film. I love some stop motion. Absolutely love it. Um, how the Ewoks put together those traps in 12 hours, I'll never know. You know, I wish that- You know what? I said I said before there was too much Ewok. I wish they'd gone a little more into that. Montage. Like Home Alone style. Them setting yes. up traps and stuff. Yeah. Log building montage. Fuck yes. Yub yub. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I lost my mind at that shit as a kid. Yeah. The destruction of the ATSTs in that in that fight. Like when they like tie the ropes around the tree and make them trip and stuff. Yeah, but the two the two big ones coming in from the side, I lost my mind. I bet you as did. As a kid. I can just fuck a little tofa oh. overalls and bowl cut just fucking like cheering. Cheering. Tom Cruise on the couch, man, up and down. <laughs> Um, I've said that I think there's too much Ewok in this film. I think that that's at the expense of a character who is not featured heavily enough in this film. And I hope you will 
agree with me. There is not enough Chewbacca in Return of the Jedi. Chewbacca is pretty short-changed in this film. He really, and I know that you're a Chewie fan. There's really not much Chewie going on here, is there? There's not a lot at it's all. Fucking another bullshit. reason it should have been Wookies. Absolutely, he would have because got then much Chewie more kind of takes over the operation. Well, you know what? He takes over. He takes over the whole fucking stupid C-3PO is God storyline. Instead, Chewie is just mates with them. Yeah. I, I, I hate that storyline. For me, that's the weakest part of the film, and that's what makes this feel the least Star Wars-y to me. I know it came decades later, but it feels so much like a Futurama storyline that I just cannot take it seriously. They're basically dogs. Yeah. They don't know. Doesn't do it for me, mate. And he is shiny. Yeah, I get that. I know that that's all they're basing it off is that he's shiny. He's shiny and he can fly. Yeah. That's yeah. enough for an Ewok. Nah, mate. Nah. That's enough for us. That's well, We'd vote for him. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we vote for some pretty shitty people, though. Ooh, do we what? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't want to turn this into a we politic to thing, but uh, <laughs> f- s- mate. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember i i have a very i'm i'm, I'm like layer with her mum here i've just got a very faint recollection of what it was like as a kid when when palpatine first went full electrical storm on luke what an absolute fucking trip that was yeah holy shit this guy is shooting lightning out of his hands something that we haven't seen before in the universe and also because it's funny even though he's kind of threatening to that point because he's so elderly he also strikes you as a viewer as kind of frail so when he starts just fucking ripping into luke like yes it's a little bit dated now the effects don't hold up as well and as you said he's chewing the scenery so it's a little bit like oh really but it's still it's still a great moment in cinema yeah so be it, Jedi is still my favourite line yeah. from a film ever. It's it's another thing that you can throw in people's faces when they're gripping Star Wars a little bit too hard and saying you can't do that with the Force when something new happens in a film. Because in every one of these Star Wars films, you saw something that you hadn't seen before. One thing, something that blew my mind because I hadn't thought about it until I saw it pointed out somewhere is that in the first film, you never see the force move an object. When Luke grabs his lightsaber on Hoth at the beginning of Empire is the first time that telekinesis happens, which you forget about because it's just so ingrained. But these films were always just like, and here's another thing. Yeah. And then at some point people were like, no, the force doesn't do that. Yeah. And it's like, it's a kid's film. I agree with you completely. Like, it's never- It's not like the first film lays out the rules, you know? Yeah. Like, as you, as you say- It's not Fight Club. We're discovering- And especially because we're seeing it from Luke, who he's only just learning about the Force, as we are as the audience. Like, he doesn't know everything it can fucking do. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm with you. Like, the concept of Force Ghost, for example. Like, it's not like they ever said, oh, this is what happens when a Jedi dies. <laughs> you know, yeah. like- yeah, yeah, like, were these same people, like, when Obi-Wan turned up at the beginning of Empire, they were like, oh, bullshit. Yeah, I know, right? No, there I'm- were no Force Ghosts in, in A New Hope. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. I, I, I have no problem with the, it being established that the Force can do new things. 
Maybe it can make you forget that you kissed your sibling. You'd hope so. <laughs> You'd hope so. That's what I'd use it for if I was those two. Or at least forget the taste. <laughs> was very specific and I didn't like it. <laughs> um, can I tell you maybe what I think might be the silliest line of the film? And you might have a counter argument to this. When the stormtroopers bring Luke to Vader and they're like, you know, we found this guy, you know, like he was he was armed with only this. He was armed only with this. I think you'll find it is. But, oh, okay. but you know, that, that's fine. That's he, fine. Was, he was armed only with this, which implies, like, you know, to me, that's like if he was carrying a fucking pitchfork or something. Like, it's like he's not armed with a lot. It's a fucking lightsaber. Like, the, the stormtroopers know what that is, right? Like, they don't they don't think it's just a piece of steel. Vader well, has one. That's a fair one. question. Do they know what it is? Well, but Vader has one. They've seen him use it. Like, have they? How often does Vader whip out his lightsaber? Oh, I mean, I guess that's a fair question. He's normally he, dude, just he's usually just force choking people. So that's probably a fair point. But I was a bit like, come on, they'd know what that is, right? It's not like the Jedi are that far removed from the galaxy. Like, people would remember lightsabers. Absolutely. I just thought it was a little bit silly that they were like, you know, he was armed only with this. And it's like, well, but mate, does that I mean that, does that that's a fucking in- weapon? <laughs> like, but it's like, imagine if you walked into a room with an AK-47. I was like, what are you doing? You're armed only with that? <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, does it feed into the disrespect that the Empire has for the Jedi as a whole? That they're more into things that uh, make things go bang Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. than the- um, what some would consider a hokey weapon. I see, I see. So, like, if you were to walk into a room with, like, a fucking katana or something and everyone else has rifles, and I was like, you're armed yep. only with it. Okay, all right. This is going to sound like a weird statement, but fuck, I wish swords were still a thing. <laughs> like, how much better were duels when they were sword fights as opposed to gunfights? Like, you walk your ten paces, you turn around, you pull a trigger. Where's the art in that? Where's the majesty of just fucking wailing on someone with a sword? Mm. Even shit sword fights like Highlander, still kind of cool. Still sick. <laughs> yeah. If it's in silhouette and involves the Kurgan, you're still going to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I guess we're getting to the end here. Should we talk about the unmasking of Lord Vader? Okay. Did that take you by surprise as a kid? Do you think that that moment is given its due- Justice, like, do you do you have enough feeling for Vader by that point that you care about seeing his sad, withered eyes? Yeah, I remember being. It affected me, as a kid, that this that this this character who I was just like equally loved and was scared of. Yeah, as a kid, when when it was stripped away and you saw, as you said, this sad, yeah, man, um. I actually still find it really effective. Same. I actually think it's it's really good writing to me just to to humanise him to that level. You know, like there, there's been times in the past where villains have been humanised and they've turned from, from bad to good and whatnot. But to actually go to this point where you see them dying and you like, I think his acting there from Shaw is so good in that scene where you can- s- you see the sadness in his eyes. <laughs> it's it's something that's very hard to do, I think. Yeah. When yeah, when he says, Tell your sister you were right, yeah. Like it's <laughs> it's still it kind of gets me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I actually I actually think it's the 
I mean, one of the best moments of the film for me. Much better than what follows in the special release, where they've added in all of the the celebratory scenes. Yeah, about that. (laughs) They don't look good. No, they do not. (laughs) No, they do not. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, it's not what you want. It's really not, is it? Not when you grew up with the joy of Ewoks drumming on helmets. Like- the drumming on sh- helmets is great. Shit was awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's another. It's it, Look, it's not the version I want. Nah. It's nah, just mate. not. <laughs> have you have you um, seen the thing about the, like, someone kind of crunched the numbers and worked out, you know, blah, blah, gravity and blah, 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 that was like the destruction of the second Death Star would have been, like, cataclysmic <laughs> to the forest moon of Endor because it would have crashed. It would have crashed into the moon. I've not and it seen would have, that. And it would have fucked it up. I mean, why Why do now, those numbers? Oh, that's- No, that's great. That's great stuff. That someone who's good enough at maths took the trouble to do that. That I, I absolutely applaud that. I think that is brilliant stuff. And it mattered enough to the, the, the Star Wars people that there's a book- where it details that actually <laughs> post post the destruction of the Death Star, the Re- the New Republic had to I, I assume it was the New Republic had to build like a shield, a temporary shield around the forest moon of Endor, <laughs> so that the Ewoks wouldn't be wiped out as a species for helping destroy the Death Star. That's so dumb. <laughs> That's so fucking dumb. Oh fuck. <laughs> I can see now why Disney said, no, none of this shit's canon. <laughs> we don't want this dumb shit. <laughs> we want Palpatine back. <laughs> you know, good, you know, yeah. realistic. All right. Obviously, your favorite film of all time. I'm, ass- I'm assuming you have to be a 10. Am I right? I'm not really in anything because I can't. You can't it. separate it. Yeah. I can't. I can't judge it as a film. I get that. In, like in its own right, I can't do it. So it just. It just is for me. Completely fair. I'm a three. <laughs> <laughs> I, I. I actually agree to some extent. What I put on Letterboxd last night when I rewatched it, I believe, was an eight. Oh, maybe a seven, but I, like I'm right there with you. It's it's too hard to rate this film. You you can't separate it from the excitement that little you know eight year old you or or even younger felt watching this film. I would have the same trouble with a goofy movie, quite frankly. <laughs> Another fucking classic. <laughs> All right. Well, this was this was a hell of a lot of, hell of a lot of fun. Before we move on. Do you mind if we swing past the orphanarium really quick? Just have a have a little family meeting. Oh, we can do that. All right, all right. So let's let's just get the kids out of the orphanarium for a sec. Uh, hey, kids, <laughs> how you doing? Mum and dad here. Mum and dad here again. Family meeting time. So obviously, last week we made an announcement, and thank you everyone who reached out to us with kind words. It was, of course, a test to see how much you love the show. <laughs> No, I, I kid, I kid. Uh, but you know, you know, sometimes when mummy and daddy, and it's not your fault, they they break up, uh, and then daddy finds a new mummy, and that mummy is is even better than the old one because the old one just loved Return of the Jedi too much, mm. <laughs> and is old, 
Yeah, and you know, you know when sometimes Daddy, after being in a monogamous relationship with Mummy for four years, wants to experiment a bit and finds lots of different different mummies to play with. <laughs> are you getting the, Are you getting the metaphor here, mate? <laughs> Am I? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. So, look. As mentioned last week, the show as it stands is coming to an end, which is very, very sad because to me, like, this show has always been as much about our friendship as it has been about movies for me. So, it's very sad that that's ending, but I'm I'm just not- I don't think I'm done being the center of attention yet. <laughs> yeah. You go on you go on full Leo Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, yeah. So look, I think at least for now, and who knows who knows how long this will last, because as I said, the show, so much of it for me has been about our friendship that I might get sick of this pretty quickly. But at least for now, the show will continue. Uh, I will try find wonderful guests each week. You know, doing this for four years, we've made lots of friends all around the world who who have great movie podcasts. So we'll try to get them on. Hopefully I can get Beth to come do an episode again because that's been a while. Out of retirement. That's right. And you know what? Like, it's I'm not going to take full custody of you guys. Like, mummy's going to come visit, you know. Like, we'll, you know, sh- you'll still have visitation rights. You'll pop on when you want to. Yeah, you might see me on holidays. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, like, you might swing past and take the kids to see Dune or something because I know you're excited about that. <laughs> so, uh, that's the plan for now. As I said, I don't know how long that will last. And- Yes, obviously, our Lord of the Rings marathon has been delayed. So, you might see that sooner rather than later. We might need to fill in with some guests at least before we come back with Lord of the Rings. And then we'll see what happens from that point. So, look, don't, I don't know, don't unsubscribe yet. But get your finger ready on the unsubscribe button is what I'm saying. (laughs) All right. Uh, Now that's out of the way, what are we getting to next week, mate? Uh, We will be doing a little film. You may have heard of it. Jurassic Park. Fucking greatest film of all time. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm I'm really, really excited. <laughs> Save, actually. <laughs> all right. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that at wewatchedthing.com or wewatchedthing at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the handle at wewatchedthing. If you want to help support the show, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash wewatchedthing, and we will catch you next week. Watch a movie, folks. Cool. That's getting cut. Um. (laughs) I knew it would. (laughs) Any thoughts on sand? (laughs) Of course, and it gets everywhere. You know, the irony of that is that I completely fucking agree with that. I know. I hate. I hate that I agree with that. I've probably said something very similar myself many times. (sighs) Ugh.